What's up, Spiceheads? Welcome back to Spiceworks On The Air pre-show podcast, episode number 65. We have a really special guest for today's episode. We're going to be talking on April the 17th with Cisco and Duo Security about privacy and multi-factor authentication. So for more on this, our podcast guest today is none other than the chief privacy officer of Cisco, Ms. Michelle Dennedy. And uh, Michelle took the time out to just kind of chat with us a little bit about her prerogatives, her work at Cisco, and what they're trying to accomplish, and most importantly, why you guys should care and why your manager should care as well. So without further ado, let us bring you Michelle. Hey, everyone. So on the phone, we are pleased to be joined by the chief privacy officer of Cisco, Ms. Michelle Dennedy. Michelle, welcome to the show today. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Very cool. Very cool. So, Michelle, we're going to be having you on uh, upcoming on April 17th uh, to have you in studio to talk about privacy as well as uh, what you guys are doing with Duo Security. Yeah, with the great Wendy Nather, my partner in crime. (laughs) Very cool. So, uh, Michelle, I was hoping we could kind of start out a little bit by talking about what exactly privacy means. I know we we get security a lot, and I feel like a lot of folks get that, and protecting data and, and, and all that. We understand that that's important. Can you talk to us a little bit about what you guys mean when you refer to privacy? Yeah, and it's such a good question. I mean, I find it so adorable when people think that privacy and security are the same thing or that it's somehow a sub-branch of security. They they really are sister professions that are interrelated and interdependent. So when I think about privacy, and that's the word we use in the U.S., so it's data protection everywhere outside of the U.S., and we use privacy, I think, as a proxy for data protection here in the U.S. in particular. But we really are talking about um, the, as I break it down, privacy is the moral, ethical, legal, commercially sustainable processing of personally identifiable information according to fair principles. And I know that sounds like a long-winded definition, but each one breaks into tasks so that you actually know how to operationalize privacy regardless of the type of organization or fiduciary care you have to give. Mm-hmm. And so do you feel like organizations, you know, why should they be paying more attention to privacy? Obviously, you mentioned data protection in the form of GDPR for those folks that are working in organizations that deal with uh, folks in, in, in the EU. So, so for some people, they may have to pay attention to privacy. Um, but what is in it for the, the, the companies at hand? Uh, is it just a good citizenship type thing or, or do they stand to actually benefit uh, as organizations? Yeah, so it's it's a good and I think a softball question, young man, <laughs> because I am a firm believer that the only reason to take a risk is to hope to get something out of it, right? So if you're collecting data just to collect data, then you're just collecting liability and why would you do that? If you are collecting information and sharing information, it probably means that you're talking to individuals, you have customers, you have employees. Every time you share a data story, no matter how big or small, you are engaging in data privacy and protection. The connections that you make between individuals, whether they're your customers, their employees, their suppliers that share information that drives your business, drives your organization, 
entertains you at home, connects you on your phone, all of those data transactions are actually tremendously valuable. And so protecting privacy and protecting data really is akin to protecting the currency that you spend financially to keep all of these businesses and entertainments and and, uh, things that you do to go about your daily life. This is the data equivalent. So different contexts, different flows, but data is the currency of the information economy. So how does privacy then fit in with security? You mentioned that it's not quite really a subset, but I think a lot of the, from a technology perspective, a lot of the same principles apply. So how do they correlate with one another? Yeah, it's. I think if you have not already locked down and have a, an end-to-end security protocol and governance scheme, um, you're not going to have this private information connection protected. So that's kind of security, I think, is the base camp for you. We inform each other. So when I say to our security technology teams and and governance teams, I've got an an HR transaction. So say we're going to outsource our payment for our employees around the world. We know that it's an international transaction, so there are legal things I have to do. Those are probably not security things. I know that there's only some information that should go to some employees or some banks to actually execute on the transaction, making sure that the information that I give my outsourcing partner and they give to the bank must be secured from external interference, from third-party spoofing, from fraud, et cetera. All of those activities are the goals and outcomes of security. The decision to collect, the volume to collect, the proportionality, the length of time that you store that informational transaction, all of those things are data protection and data privacy transactions. So you can have wildly secure, disproportionate data that you have no right to have. So you have no privacy if you've done that, but you have lots of security. On the other hand, you can secure a lot of things that have no utility at all. So if you don't have that that data nutrition set up and you aren't actually gaining anything out of that data, why are you wasting your time and money securing data that doesn't matter? So we really need each other to inform our priorities, to understand our, our goals, to understand the timeline that's in play. Are we talking about quarter to quarter protection or are we talking about financial data that has to be stored seven years or beyond? So you have an ongoing security obligation as well as an access obligation that that you want someone, the right someones, to be able to access that information, to, to create value out of it. So what would you say to organizations who say, security is my privacy policy. I collect all this personal data, but I'm secure. So you don't need to worry about that falling into to the wrong hands. I would say totes adorbs, as the kids say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's wonderful that you fulfilled one out of your 11 fair principles. But my question would be, is that data proportional to the use? If it's not, you violated privacy principles and the law. Is that information lawful? collected? Have you have you attested to that? Do you have documentation so that you can prove that and enforce that? Then it's secure, but you violated the law. Do you have a, a time schedule when you get rid of that information, when it's no longer necessary? If not, it might be secure, but you violated privacy principles, expectation of customers, and the law. So it goes on and on and on where you can 
nail something down, keep bad guys out, and and maybe even share and transfer that information without interference. And it will have very high integrity, confidentiality, and even accessibility to the, the quote-unquote right parties. But if you don't know what it is, and you don't know why it is, and you don't know how to do it correctly, why are you bothering? So that's what I say to folks that that are only security. Now, I would say the same thing to people who just have a privacy policy and say, hey, we really respect your privacy, dudes. And then they don't have an end-to-end security solution. I would say you are violating the ability to respect that data, the integrity of that data, the, the innate ability for that data to tell a story. So without security, I got no privacy. But I will argue that without privacy and data protection controls, you don't really have a point to your security. Can you talk next about what you guys are doing at Cisco around privacy? You know, What are some of the initiatives that you guys are looking to achieve uh, in the work that you're doing there? So we'll talk a little bit about what we're doing, particularly on our product and services side. We've introduced something I'm really excited about. They're called our data maps or our, what I like to call our Lord Ashfields. So back in the beginning of the 19th century, in the 1930s, all the train system under London were connected. There were no tickets that were continuous. There wasn't a schedule. There wasn't a way for travelers under the city without those visual cues and landmarks to really know where they're going. And along came this fellow, Harry Beck, who came up with a map that was relational. It just said, here's the green line and here's the stops along the way. I'm not going to bother with the street maps. I'm not going to bother with where the Thames are. I'm not going to show the topography of London. But what it did is democratize travel around a city that already was economically in distress from the first and supposedly last great war and, and make sure that The housewife can go and do her shopping. The child can get to school. The parliamentarian can put on his little tailcoat and show up in parliament, all on the same contiguous information grid. So I said, why aren't we doing that with our data? We don't know where we're going. We're trying to look for markers outside of our windows to figure out who's got the data, what my risk level is, where am I in this data ecosystem and and lifespan and where on earth. And so we put these things all into a package that looks a lot like a London underground with those same kind of bright colors and white background. And we make it very clear. So it makes it a lot easier to have a data conversation. And and you can find those actually at trust.cisco.com. Now, What that does for me externally, it tells you exactly what we do, where we're at, and you can judge what we're doing and how it fits into your architecture. What it does for me internally as a governance officer of this company is I can now take that back time and time again into my engineering teams and say, is this still valid? Is this still true? Are we building out on the network? Are these data types the same? And how do these interoperate? So it's a lot easier for me to have a quick conversation and then get into the details rather than sort of verbally describing something that is actually quite nicely described with a visual cue. So that's just one example of how we're trying to rethink the end-to-end way that you were thinking about and innovating into and leaning into data as the currency that's fueling our information economy. 
And so with these uh, uh, privacy initiatives that you were doing, what do you guys hope to achieve as far as benefits to Cisco? You know, what does uh, you know, Cisco CEO Chuck Robbins hope to get out of all of these, the time and effort that you guys are putting into this? Yeah, so a couple of things. I mean, of course, we have to be compliant. There's very large fines that are going on around the world and, and now criminal sanctions that are being enforced in places like Australia. So that's table stakes. You need a lawyer for that. Um, what you need as a governance officer is you need a data strategy. If you want to be a digitized economy, you have to have somebody who's looking comprehensively across your offers and your enterprise to say, where is data going? How is it valuable? And one of the ways that we're looking at value is represented in a business study that we've done covering 3,200 customers. And now it's survey format, so it's correlative data, not necessarily causal. But what we've done is start to measure what I call data friction. So when somebody comes to me and says, hey, I'd like to buy some of your collaboration tools, there's a lot of data that flows and different types of data that flows. I pull out my little data map and I say, okay, what, what are the things you're looking at? I count that day as day zero when a customer comes and says, I've got questions about privacy and security. I count the last day when you close off on those issues for a transaction as my time scale. So as, as you look at our business case study, and again, it's, it's published um, so that anyone can use it, um, what you're finding is that when you have invested in a privacy governance and leadership position. So getting ready for GDPR, one thing, and getting into leadership in governance over data, that takes a large investment in some cases. If you're a small company, it doesn't take a lot of investment because you have a simpler data flow. For a company like ours, you have to invest. And so how does that investment pay off? Well, what we found are dramatic and statistically relevant decreases in time to close business. So where I can reduce my data friction from an outside of 16 weeks down to an average of three and a half weeks for data-ready, GDPR-ready organizations, that's a big difference in business efficiency. That's the kind of stuff that Chuck cares about from the top-line perspective as the business leader of our company. Where the interesting thing really starts to get fun is what you hear out of Chuck when he was at Davos this year that privacy is a fundamental human right. And we're going to be at the table trying to craft a U.S. piece of federal legislation that will help our economy get up to speed with the rest of the world. There are over 120 countries out there that already have data legislation. We believe it's not only in Cisco's best interest, but most importantly, it's in the network health and in the people that are riding on that network and living in the information economy. And we believe that if we can help craft fair and workable legislation, it's going to help drag the, the, the slow comers across the line so that we're fairly competing ourselves. You know, it's, it, there's a reason that we want legislation, but most importantly to me, it opens up those APIs to the world to say data matters. And we're going to show you how data matters to us. We're going to teach you how to talk about data in a flow perspective. We're going to teach you how to book an account for data, doing data valuation models. We're going to look at the upside of how quickly can we, can we close business if we invest. And we're going to look at the downside how many fewer records will you lose in a typical breach when you've made these types of investments? So 
privacy is incredibly important for where Cisco's going as a digitized company. Oh, very cool. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time to stop by and chat with us today. We are looking forward to hanging out with both you and Wendy when you guys come in on, again, April the 17th. Uh, our show will be at 10 a.m. Central Time. Uh, for more, more information about that episode and all things on the air, you can make sure to follow us in the Spiceworks community at community.spiceworks.com slash on the air. But until then, Michelle, safe travels, and uh, we can't wait to see you. Thank you. Keep it weird down there. <laughs> Thanks again. Cheers. Cheers.